they call me Crazy Jack. And I, I think crazy is good. We are crazy, but we're not stupid. You keep pushing because you believe in yourself and in your vision. Stay hungry, stay foolish. The Crazy TV Podcast. So hi, Lauren. We are here today with uh, Lauren, um, who is an amazing uh, person. Uh, what can I uh, tell about you? Uh, you are a digital nomad. You uh, do many things. You have your own business now on mindfulness. And um, do, do you want to say a few words about you, maybe? Wow, okay. Um, I'm Lauren from the Netherlands, indeed, but a digital nomad. So I kind of do live in the world where I want to, which is amazing. I have worked and lived in uh, East Africa and then in Asia. I was working for Mind Valley before. Some of you may have heard of it. And right now I'm indeed working on my own business. So I can still do that from anywhere in the world. So I'm really like designing my what I do in life around the lifestyle that I'd like to live. And yeah, it's just amazing. What can I say? Yeah, that, that's cool. I'm, I'm very curious about this uh, digital nomad yes. thing. And I think a lot of people are because it's something... Um, especially nowadays we're dreaming about it right oh we can work from everywhere and we can just be on a computer on the beach and stuff like that and <laughs> also has uh of course it also has downsides so i'd love to talk about the, the ups and downs and uh, and how it's uh how it's um uh, really like so first of all now you're in the netherlands but where uh -huh. did you so you said you were you were in east africa where, where did you go actually uh, this was a while back, a few years ago. I was in Congo, Burundi, Rwanda, so all over the east, working for an NGO. Um, okay. That was before I moved to Asia for the past few years. Yeah. yeah. So where in Asia were you? Well, kind of also all over the place. Mostly Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia, well, specifically Bali. <laughs> so, um, and traveling around as well. Singapore, Myanmar, Cambodia. And you've been doing that for how many years now? Past three years, I was in Southeast Asia. Yeah, uh, but overall, years. over uh, when did you left actually uh, the Netherlands? Uh, six years ago. Six so years right ago after, wrong. yeah, right That's after graduation, I finished my studies. I left and. I never came back. No, that's not true. I do come back to visit family <laughs> yeah. in summer. Yeah, just like now. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's quite a lifestyle, I guess. How how mm -hmm. did, how does it practically? How is it? Do you, do you like it? Do you miss some things? Do you? I think I'm actually super flexible when it comes to getting adjusted to new locations, new cultures, the new food, the new people, everything. So I I rarely miss anything or even anyone to an extent. That may sound a bit strange, but actually it fits this lifestyle very well because it also means you're very open and very quick in connecting with people. And you actually appreciate what you have in this in that given moment. It doesn't mean I don't appreciate going back to certain things. So, for example, when I go back to the Netherlands to visit family, there's certain, of course, certain food here in Western Europe that I don't have in Southeast Asia. So I'm appreciating, I'm enjoying it again when I have it again, but I don't miss it when I don't. So I think that's that's the number one thing for me. I'm just very much in the moment, very much working and enjoying what I have. And um yeah, very adaptive and adaptable in that sense as well. I think that's one of the keys of it too at the same time. And this is also, I think, why it doesn't fit everyone because some people are very much kind of attached to um, a certain location, certain people around them, certain habits, etc. Yeah, which doesn't always, yeah, which doesn't always fit this lifestyle necessarily. So it's also good practice in that sense as well. And what about friends? Do you, you last mm. time I think we talked about it, and you said you had a, a community of friends who actually are like you and moving around. <clears throat> yes, lit literally all my friends and definitely all my best friends they live very similar or even the same kind of lifestyle. They're all living somewhere else than where they're from. Mm. And the amazing thing is, first of all, having worked for Mind Valley for a few years, of course, that's a big community, and I literally meet either a direct contact or a friend of a friend everywhere I go. It's almost crazy. Once you enter this kind of lifestyle and enter this kind of community, there's so many of us around. So no matter where I go, there's always people that I know or that I know through friends that I already have. So I, I also never feel lonely or alone. And it's it's you get to know each other 
spread all over the world. So there's always someone around who you've already connected to or who actually uh, lives the same kind of lifestyle, which is already connecting right away. It's, it's, it's almost hard to put into words. It's something you got to experience for yourself, I'd say, of course. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. it's kind of uh, it's kind of the the condition, maybe mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. But if you if if you didn't have those friends, if you didn't have this community, it would mm -hmm. be harder. No, it would be like you'll feel a kind of uh, alone, a stranger in a country, kind of. No. Yeah, I guess that's true, and I am not sure what came first, like chicken or egg story kind of thing. But mm -hmm. for me, even. Even still living in the Netherlands, because I, I finished my studies here, I traveled during studies for like semester abroad, research abroad, all those kinds of things, internship abroad as well. So I've had it like early on, I think I first left when I was 16 and then 19, went to Africa by myself already, these kinds of things. So it, it, it was definitely in me already early on. But even the studies that I did in my birth country, they're already like international studies in English, because we speak Dutch normally, right? international friends from all over the world as well. So I think I entered this kind of, um, yeah, let's call it community, right? So early on that I also built this kind of community very early on, which means all of my friends already international and actually do not have many, let's say, local and primary school, high school friends left whom I stayed in contact with after I finished those schools. I'm just reflecting now, but no. So it's all—it's always been like this for me, almost. If you get what I mean. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's true. I—I I, I do think it would be very hard if you have your specific friends, who are let's say local, who are in a specific location, and then if you would leave, and being the only one who would leave, leaving mm -hmm. everyone behind, I think it does definitely feel different because then you're basically detaching yourself from your current reality, your current uh, connections, etc. And I think that's a different reality indeed than the one I'm living and the one I'm describing here. Yeah. Yeah. And and how do you work? How do you work when you're abroad and you find a new job? How how does it can you find easily work or did you find easily some work? I, yeah, I did. So actually moving to Africa was because I found a job there. I was working for an NGO from the Netherlands, but they, they would send people to Africa and to other uh, post-conflict areas as well. So I worked for them for about like two years, I think. And after that, I, I found a job with Mindvalley then. So actually the first few years I moved for my job. And I was so flexible to where I would move to. I would find a job in Congo, then I would find a job in Malaysia. I would be like, sure, I'll move. Not a problem. I'm happy to. So that's how it started off for me, actually. And after that, I stayed as a contractor for a company for Mindvalley. And then I started with my own company. So now I'm super, I'm fully flexible. I can mm. keep the same job and keep the same work in various locations. Whereas before, I was temporarily tied to a location because of the job I would have there. So before I was working from an office, but abroad. And now I'm actually working from co-working spaces, from my own place, my own house, etc. Because now I literally work online. So that kind of means I became a digital nomad a few years ago. Because having a job, a fixed job abroad, doesn't define you as a digital nomad, per se. That just means you actually live and work abroad. Do you get the difference between mm. the two? Is it clear? Uh, no, because you cut at the same time at one point. What, what the difference uh, between what and what? Uh, being a digital nomad and having a job abroad, basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, t I uh, I think I know, but tell me again. So people also listening yeah. who don't know. <laughs> uh, can, can, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, yeah, the first few years, I was actually working at an office for a foreign company or organization. Yeah, so, so was, that's not being I, a digital yeah. nomad. That's you work in, no. a, in another country, simply, yeah. Yeah, ex exactly, because you're still tied to the location. It's just not the location that you were born at. That's the whole difference. But then once you start working online, meaning like on your laptop, and you're no longer needing to be stuck to a specific location, yeah. you become a digital nomad. So that's what I've done for the past few years, which is definitely recommendable for my side. And I do think many of us are actually going in that direction with COVID, right? A lot of us are working yeah. remotely, as we call it, because of the pandemic. But I think a lot of people also need uh, some sense of security, whatever it means, some sense of uh, being rooted somewhere. 
Uh, I I know mm -hmm. that I do. Uh, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't like mm -hmm. to. I mean, I love to travel. I travel a lot for mm -hmm. work also, but I wouldn't like to be all the time in different countries, also for different reasons, not just mm -hmm. for this uh, sense of security and this. But I think that's also what's interesting with remote uh, work mm -hmm. and and um, being dreaming of being a digital nomad is actually, I think, is very different from really being one. Because I think a lot of people today are dreaming from something they don't have, right? They're in their jobs, mm -hmm. they're, they go to work in the morning. Oh, what if I could be on the beach and just uh, mm -hmm. work on my stuff and go wherever I want? But if they did so, I think they would miss a lot of things. I know I would. It's not something like uh, judgmental, like, oh, you think you mm -hmm. want. But it's just, uh, uh -huh. I, I know, for example, mm -hmm. we it's, it has nothing to do with digital nomad, but we went to... Uh, to, to you know, we were to Amsterdam with my wife, mm -hmm. and so it was a bit of a specific situations because uh, uh, both of us we were working from our computers, but in one place. Uh, so yeah. we can say we're digital nomad, but it's just a country next door. So it's not really a, a <laughs> Southeast Asia. I'm I'm just saying that we didn't have any community, any link, and we missed our mm -hmm. family and friends a lot. And uh, mm -hmm. So it was social life and in I general. Around, so. <laughs> what? I was I wasn't around in the Netherlands that time, so I couldn't show you guys no. around. <laughs> no, but we had uh, we had a, actually two friends over there, but it's uh, how can I say you don't? It's it, it depends on it, well, my point is depends on each people. We are close to our family, mm -hmm. and I want to see my niece growing up. I want to see uh, some my parents. Uh, I want to see my brother and sisters, and I want I have good friends in in Paris. They're not traveling around with me. <laughs> They're not digital nomad. So, yeah. so yeah, at some point we're yeah. missing that, and I think a lot of people would for also their own reasons. Maybe they're not so close to their family, but they have, they're very close to their friends or maybe mm. the, the work they're doing abroad, it doesn't, it's not mm. what I actually thought it would be. So it's it's definitely not for everyone joining on what you, you were saying before. I do agree. A lot of people actually have that need for security. And I was actually surprised because right now with the pandemic, a lot of people working from home, I was yeah. expecting people, people to be like, oh, Lauren, now I get it. This is what you do. This is fun. I wanted to, but I got the opposite response most of the time. People like, ah, yeah. I really don't get it. Why do you like this? This is so like ungrounded. This is so like all over the place, kind of literally. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't expect that response from people. So it actually shows me that this is definitely not for everyone. However, what you said about like constantly moving around and stuff, some of the digital nomads do. And so did I in the beginning. But the beauty of this is that you're so flexible because you fully manage every aspect of your life to an extent that if you have the need to be more grounded or to be more stable for a while, you actually can decide to stay in a certain location longer. There's, there's some of us, let's say, I don't like to speak in terms of us versus them, but like there's some yeah. digital nomads that... Uh, spend six months, 12 months, maybe even two, three years in a location. At some point, you wouldn't black and white call them digital nomads anymore. I mean, the definition is not fully clear, actually, because it's quite a new concept. Yeah, but they have different well. kinds, I guess, also. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, different types, indeed. But for example, for me right now, I mean, I visit my family every summer anyways, but I went earlier this year and probably a bit longer too, because I also could use some stability and some foundation because I'm just starting off my own business, which is already like something, right? And already a lot of my energy time goes in that. And I was moving around within Bali at the time and it just felt like too much, too many new various elements the whole time. So I decided to actually go back to Europe earlier than planned. I mean, later than planned because of COVID, but then earlier than planned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from my new plans just because i could use some some yeah some stable foundation so yeah. i'm also as flexible yeah to that extent flexible that i can decide what i need in a certain moment and then make sure that i can meet my own needs and make decisions based on that so right now i'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> temporarily <laughs> yeah but also you don't have kids right so yeah, I mean, I not that I know. Do you have kids? <laughs> no, I don't have. Okay, <laughs> which right? is which is something already you're that that you lose this flexibility when you have your kids because I mean it doesn't need to be black and white. But what I mean is that I, I don't have kids either, and I know that people who have kids, the first thing they tell you is that 
you know, they don't want to change school every every month. They don't want to they don't mm. want to start over necessarily in a new country. If your child has a problem, they want to know, and they, they think of security yeah. as well, right? And grounding for the for your child. It's not impossible. It's just different. So um, true. And what I do see people who did live this kind of lifestyle and who have that kind of like urge, I would almost say, as I do, once they have kids, which is not many, to be very honest, then usually they would decide to settle down at least for a few years in one specific location. Mm. But that location is still oftentimes abroad. For sure, many still do not go back to the country that they came from. But then yeah. they would settle somewhere where they appreciated living before. That's that's generally what I see happening, at least around. But this is not from my own experience. Indeed, I don't have kids. Yeah, I, yeah. No, but it's interesting. It is interesting because it's not. Um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, me included, we are thinking of different ways of of living, and yeah. and yeah. each each country has ups and downs right each country has amazing things and things that are so annoying at the same time in france is, <laughs> especially if you're an entrepreneur you're so tired of france and the mentality is not entrepreneur oriented but mm -hmm. uh, there is a great social security there are the uh, you know that you know the systems you know the no it's important when you you know it's something stupid but when you're sick in another country uh what do you do what do you Especially do? You don't know. You don't know how to say "doctor" in the the language of the country. You like oh. so. Um, mm -hmm. it's, and it's, I can't imagine if you have a child. What do you do when you have a child and you like he's sick and you don't and you go to a hospital that is shitty mm -hmm. and phew, that must be a nightmare. So it's. I think yeah. it all depends on. Yeah, each person's flexibility, each person's situation. But definitely to recap a little bit. You would say that it's definitely easier when you have a community of people. So, how do you connect with the community of uh, digital nomads, remote workers, stuff like that? How would you recommend to someone who wants to be a digital nomad to to connect with such a community? What I usually do every new place I go to, first thing I do is check on Facebook, change my location to where I am, and go through all the Facebook events. Okay, that's not super applicable right now, right now, of course, but generally. Yeah. Go check all the check out all the Facebook events and start going to those events because I'm telling you the very first one you go to you'll meet people you connect with. It's so easy just because everyone is on the same so-called wavelength. Yeah, it is so easy. It's it almost doesn't matter what you do, but if you do something, you'll meet people with with whom you'd like to stay in touch, with whom you could go for lunch that week or whatnot. There's of course also many um, platforms or many organizations like. Internations like um, what's the other one again, yeah, Meetup for example. There's quite a few of those types of platforms where digital nomads can literally find each other, especially those moving around because those platforms are also worldwide. So no matter which location you are, you can check in a platform and then find again the people who are there too with you basically. So there's a few of those, and um, yeah, like I said, it doesn't even matter what you do. But do something like put yourself out there go to places go to events and also don't be shy as in like when you're working from a cafe for example feel free to go up to someone and speak to them in this mm. kind of community this kind of lifestyle that's normally very much appreciated very much accepted because that's how we meet each other and that's how we connect with each other and that's how you Be find people who, who are in a similar uh, situation because the other guys feel so alone i guess and and wants to connect i mean all of them I mean, but some of them i, I guess mean, i wouldn't say alone but yeah not everyone does definitely but um yeah. but there's usually always room for yeah for the more the merrier kind of mindset so mm. it's generally very accepted in these kinds of circles i'm generalizing of course i mean everyone is different but generally uh, it's definitely something that i would say is different than being in your own hometown maybe even in your own country because in certain locations for example, Western Europe, again, generalizing, that's not always something you do. People would generally kind of look to you like, why are you talking to me? Do we know each other? Yeah. But in, yeah, but in certain places where a lot of digital nomads go around, that's quite like, yeah, I appreciate it. It's nice. It's fun meeting new people. We love it. <laughs> kind yeah, of nice. Yeah, yeah. So it's that's, different. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And do you think it's, uh, it's easier when you're younger and you that to do this because after because of family and you have a wife mm -hmm. and they have their own thing on job <laughs> maybe they don't want to do the same thing as you you know uh, i mm -hmm. mean if 
I guess also if you, uh, to to just um, uh, arguing against myself, if <laughs> if you meet someone in this community that mm. is in the same thing as you, then I guess it's mm. the perfect deal, right? You are with the person who yeah. is flexible as well, who wants to travel, who's well in this country, but it's. Um, I'm just wondering: is it a is it a young people's game? You know what I mean, or yeah. or can you also do it after? I totally get what you mean. There are plenty of like older digital nomads, but generally yeah. they have started early on. So I do I do see that pattern, and it's true. If this is really like let's say in your blood, like it seems to be for me, for example, I wouldn't be able to to date someone who doesn't have the same wants and need. So you would probably meet someone in the same community with the same lifestyle and then continue doing so together. However, I must say for a lot of digital nomads, one of the main challenges and complaints as well is that it's difficult for them to have long-term relationships because of the lifestyle. Because yeah. everything is so kind of like flexible and short-term to an extent, they also find it difficult to meet someone with whom they, they can keep building this lifestyle together and keep being on the same page. Because basically anytime one of them would like to go to a next location, the other one needs to agree or like be on the same page. Yeah. This is not my own experience because I've always been kind of like very lucky in that regard. I have had relationships with whom, uh, like, yeah, guys with whom I was able to travel around and, and stay for months and years. Um, but it's not the experience for everyone as I'm hearing around. So, yeah. yeah. It's fun. It's it's also interesting to see that um, they would rather, yeah. They, it's it's all about choices every time. It's all about True. the choices you make and because I mean, whatever lifestyle you choose, what I hate is when people complain. You know, if you can be, you can yeah. have the in my family. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> my family is the yeah. opposite of digital nomads because it's uh, my family is full of teachers. They work for the government. Um, they are uh, based uh, in the same spot. They don't move, which is fine. Yeah. It's fine. I'm just saying that we have like uh, opposites and uh, thousands of possibilities in the middle. And mm, yeah. wherever you like, don't complain because it's all about choices. You you have also. Um, Like mm -hmm. you say, the people who says, "Okay, my my obstacles, the difficulties I encounter is that I don't. I, it's harder to have long-term relationship. They still prefer this lifestyle rather than mm -hmm. rather than yeah. this. So it's uh, it's yeah. very powerful that they choose they choose this flexibility yeah. rather than being with someone they 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 think they could be with for the rest of their lives. It's uh it's a it's a hard choice to make, I guess." The good thing you're pointing out, because that's apparently the decision they are making, that may be a subconscious or a conscious decision. I'm not always sure. And it's true. I very much agree with you. I, I'm very much an advocate of um, living a life on your own terms. And I do believe that you can make decisions that uh, change your life around. You know what I mean? You're not bound by what happens to you. You can work with what happens in your life. You know what I mean? And it's either about... If you don't like something, change it if you can. Accept it if you cannot, but complaining is never gonna get you anywhere. So, yeah. and yeah, and sometimes, no, everyone in life, no matter the lifestyle, we all make compromises and we all have to. I mean, realistically, we can never have it all because some of our needs are actually very like conflicting, yeah. contradictory, right? So which choice do we make? Yeah. And I think that's relevant for literally everyone, not just people in a digital nomad lifestyle. But it's true. Sometimes, yeah, flexibility over long-term relationships. Yeah, it's true. And it, I think we also underestimate the our reaction to what's um, glamorous, right? Because some lifestyles yeah. are more glamorous than others, and even mm -hmm. consciously, we all. I mean, it depends. Mm -hmm. But a lot of us, and I definitely do it, unconsciously you tend to think that's a better way, right? If you're in the same company every day, you take your car, you take the same road, there's nothing glamorous about it when you talk about it to people. But if it's your lifestyle, fuck it, you like it, you like it, you know? Um, but then it's it's tricky sometimes. You want to say, ah, only if I could be uh, over there, only if I could travel and do my work. And I think it's um, what I discovered also with uh, this... Uh, a little uh, six-month uh, abroad mm. experience because we traveled a little bit before, so it was almost a year. Mm. And after a year, we were like, 
oh, we want to settle down, yeah. we want to see our family. <laughs> and we're like, no, oh, it's not what we thought it would be. It's not so, mm -hmm. um, it's kind of, we discovered that about ourselves. I think it's, um, I think it's, it's good that maybe people should try it as well. So they know if it's. Yeah, the best realization is the one you have after trying out something. And if the experience is not for you, then at least you don't have to wonder about it anymore. So that's better, I would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. than never trying it and not knowing it's not for you because you never tried it. Because, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's something just crossed my mind. What was it? I just lost the thought. It'll come we back. We talked about <laughs> trying, about going abroad and saying, oh, after oh, a year, yes. we need... Like, yeah, okay, you got it. True, I got it. It's true that the grass always seems, like for many of us, always seems greener on the other side, right? And again, and digital nomadism, as we call it, it's definitely a, a grass that seems greener for many. Yeah. But it's funny because oftentimes I'm being asked about like the benefits of this lifestyle. I like to talk more about it because it's intriguing for, for many people. However, yeah. the conclusion I drew for myself basically, and which seems to hold true for many people is that it definitely doesn't fit most types of people. It doesn't. Yeah. It's somehow like, you know, there's people with different kinds of hobbies. Someone who loves playing the piano. Uh, there's, there's, some people who love playing the piano, but most people do not. And it's the exact same thing. It doesn't fit many people. We are just another tiny group with a tiny, like a specific type of hobby. That's not very common, to be honest. Yeah. I just lost you, I think. Your camera. Oh, oh no, ah, okay. You're back. I'm back. But, um, and many people do dream about it. I would love to hear more about it, but then actually realize, hmm. I don't like it as much and they create the compromise for themselves to have like one base, um, you know, one specific location that they build their house, that they do live, uh, yeah, that they do live in and then moving around and traveling from that place but always have a place to come back to and also very much a place to store their things, store their items because that's often also something yeah. weird. We it's are true. sometimes literally living out of our suitcase, and that's also not for everyone. Even me, at some point, I'm like, okay, I would like to have a cupboard again, or I would like to have like a proper apartment again where I can unpack, stay long enough for it to be worth unpacking, etc. Yeah. But um, uh, many people do need a stable home base that they can always come back to because it also gives them the peace of mind to then go ahead and travel and move around and maybe be gone, maybe be away for a month or two but enjoy it more than if they wouldn't have that apartment or that house back where, they're, yeah. where they came from or where they decided to settle. So that seems to be a nice compromise for many people. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was thinking I of something at the same time. How do you do with taxes? <clears throat> yeah. So I am. I mean, don't have to say you personally, but in general. <laughs> okay. Um... Oh, okay. Okay. Well, it, it really depends per person. So for example, for example, for me, um, the Netherlands is very like strict in the sense of, you live here or you don't. If you don't, friends as well. And you're... Oh, okay, I didn't know. Well, then you have to like unregister with the government, and you're no longer a resident. I still have my okay. Dutch passport. I still have my passport, of course, but I cannot even extend my passport in my own birth country. I would have to go abroad, go to an embassy, pay double amount of money, and get a new passport. Okay. I cannot even do it in in my own country. Basically, that's uh, that's the rules, right? So given that I'm not registered anywhere as an individual, I wasn't paying taxes for the past for the past time because um, yeah, because the company I was working for, the government of that country didn't charge taxes for people who were not physically present in the, in the country and I wasn't. So it was legal for me not to pay taxes. Wow. No, no, no one was asking for my taxes. I was like, sure, I'll keep them then. You know what I mean? No, but I, I, never, I never thought that you would have to cut kind of, you had to cut the, um, the, the, the cord with your, your native country. Yeah. I never thought of that, of course. I thought yeah. you were just not living there anymore and just saying, hey, I, I don't know how we work in France. I, maybe it would just say, hey, I'm not living there anymore. Uh, that's all. Um, yeah, it's different per country. And I know most countries are not like this. Most countries do allow you to stay registered, even though you're not living there. But usually it does mean you have to enroll in the full package, like get your health insurance sorted, if it's an obligation in your country to have that, um, pay your taxes, etc. And the moment I like unregistered, I could also stop paying my health insurance because I mean it's not cheap in Netherlands, right? 
I could stop paying taxes for jobs I had abroad, you know, because it wouldn't even make sense anyways, unless you prove like you pay taxes in one country, so you don't have to pay them in the other. That's this kind of bilateral agreement that many countries have. But generally, it depends on the country you're from, the country you're staying in, the work that you do, if you work yeah. for someone else or if you work for yourself. So there's many variables. So this is different for everyone. Right now, for example, <clears throat> starting my own business. So I did register my business in the U.S. Because again, oh, in the US. Was more, <laughs> yes, because in the Netherlands, it was more difficult for me to register than being a foreigner <laughs> registering in the U.S. But wow. And how can you register in yeah. the U.S. if you don't live there? Not a problem. They're very easy. Uh, you can get an online agent, register online. A few days later, you'll receive the, the incorporation forms, basically. But then okay. you'll have to start paying taxes in the U.S. over any business income that you make, of course. Yeah, sure. Uh, so my situation recently changed, basically. Yeah, Yeah, the, because the, the, the trick <laughs> is, the worst situation is if you're uh you're registered let's say i, I i'm a, i'm from france i mm. go i go to, i don't know in uh, bali uh, mm. to have a drink with you and uh, and i want to <laughs> yeah and i want to to and i do my some some business then friends who still ask me for for taxes even though mm. i'm not living there anymore so you have double taxation so we we've 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 looked at different solutions with friends and entrepreneurs and and mm. it's yeah you need to that's why you need to cut you need to unregister i don't know how do we unregister in france anyways it's good um it's good to know it's good to know we yeah. have to look into it yeah well, just a side at. note there actually it, it it is different for everyone so i can't give you black and white rules however no, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah if there's double taxation if you're just living somewhere abroad but not actually working there because you're doing your own work on your laptop yeah. but you're just physically there then the country where you're where you're at doesn't have anything to do with your taxes normally but you unless case, no you there know. is one thing that i know is that they can say yeah but all your clients are in france there is something yeah, about yeah 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 but if you if you were in bali for example bali wouldn't like indonesia wouldn't charge your taxes oh yeah, yeah okay. if you're still registered in france even though you're living in in bali for example i could imagine yeah. that france will still charge you but then you're not double charged, right? Because Bali is not taking anything Francis, for example. Yeah, However, yeah, yeah. when I was working in Malaysia, no, when I was working in East Africa and still registered in the Netherlands for some time, also because I was working for a Dutch organization, I was back regularly, etc. Um, I could show the Netherlands. No, how am I saying that? I could show. I needed to show uh, Burundi, for example, in East Africa, that I was paying my taxes in the Netherlands, so they would stop charging me taxes. So you can prove yeah. to one of the countries that you're paying it in the other one. And if they have a bilateral agreement, then this can remove the double taxation and you can just uh, pay taxes in one of the countries. But again, many variables, it really depends on the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. and so how how did you find your work at uh, Mind Valley? How, I did, actually how did it happen? A, yeah, I had a friend who worked there. So I knew the company through her. And after I wanted to quit my job in East Africa because the conflict had, had started again, it was very tough to, to build sustainable projects. And um, yeah, it was tough. So I decided to leave. And I decided, okay, let me try and then apply at Mind Valley. I did. First, I got rejected actually because I applied for a role that wasn't a full fit. Okay. Then I tried again a few months later and they hired me. And I literally, yeah, moved there two months later, I think. In yeah. Malaysia? Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What they uh, they were based in the US uh, at the beginning, and what, what, what so what was your role yeah. there? I was a project manager at first, and then I became a team lead. And that's interesting. Nice that you're asking. Actually, I became a team lead, but I myself was a contractor already at that time. Mm. So for two years, I worked at Mind Valley as a, as a project manager. I worked at the office in Malaysia, etc. So I was not a digital nomad even at the time because I worked at the office. But then I became a contractor. So I could travel again, but I kept my job basically, <clears throat> but became more flexible with it. And then they asked me to become, to set up a remote team, hire people who were living, doesn't matter where actually, because we were translating our courses into various languages. So we wanted to hire a project manager who was a native speaker in each of those languages. So obviously mm. they would be spread over the world because those countries 
are somewhere else everywhere, right? Are all somewhere else. So I actually hired people I've never met before, except one. Actually, one I knew before. The others never met before, put a team together, set up all the processes, all the systems, everything. And yeah, I was leading the whole team remotely. Everyone was working and being somewhere else in the world, in Europe, South, South, South America, Southeast Asia. So time zone wise, that was quite a challenge to get our meetings wow. started. But other than that, it was an amazing experience. And it taught me so much being a team lead, of course, in the first place. But being a remote team lead, that's a different story. And it's such a valuable experience, I would say, to go through. I was very, uh, very grateful to have that uh, Yeah, for people who don't know, uh, Mind Valley is um, is a company uh, who builds online courses. Uh, how would you define it? Actually, you define it. You work there. <laughs> <laughs> True, and we met through there as well, actually, right? So yeah, in Barcelona, um, I talked in Barcelona, and yes. uh, and you you were the person taking care of me at Mind Valley. That's how you. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yes, it's true. Well, Mind Valley is. Yeah, it's true, right? <laughs> so managing all the logistics and all. Um, Mindvalley is a, a, um, a company that's creating online courses and also was organizing live events, less of course now, that are all in the industry of personal development. So everything we do uh, is related to self-growth, personal development, and we're basically, or they are now basically, trying to uh, build an alternative system to the current education system. Mind Valley believes, and so do I, that the current education system, what we learn at schools, part of it is not relevant anymore for the current lives that we live in, the current society that we live in. But also, we never really um, added soft skills, social skills, etc., to the school curriculums. Yeah. So many life skills we're not actually learning at school, we're only learning in our adult life. Once we're already like, older, It's more difficult to actually learn new skills from scratch, but also already 20, 30 years old by then. And we could use those skills earlier on in life. So what Mindvalley is doing, and I very much love that mission, that's also why it was amazing to work for the company, is to provide an alternative educational system through focusing on personal growth, personal development, and social skills, life skills that we can actually pragmatically use in our current lives and current societies. Yeah. And and they're focusing on university first, right? When you say schools, uh, it's mainly on university. Uh, I saw the uni the Mind Valley uni university thing. Mm, yes and no, because we we were very much focused on individuals, so people who felt like they could use um, additional soft skills, social skills, life skills, they could either come to one of the events or buy one of the courses. Um, but we're also since. Yeah, since I think about a year or two working at schools itself, indeed, we started with a test uh, test school in Finland. And that was the primary school or a high school. I'm not fully sure because it wasn't on a project. But what we're doing, what you're referring to, where we met as well, that was called the Mind Valley University. And it's basically a one month event. So one month long, people from all over the world fly and fly to and live in the same location on the planet. So, for example, we were mm -hmm. in Barcelona, we were in Tallinn, we were in Croatia last year. This year was going to be in Amsterdam, but it got cancelled, of course. It's a shame. Um, and then people live together for a month, go to daily talks, workshops, classes as well. But everything in self-development, right? So nothing um, in relation to traditional school systems. And again, we really build that community of like-minded people who are all like open to exploring other sides of life and exploring almost like the edges of our being and the edges of our uh, our knowing. And we call it Mindful University, but it's not specifically tied to school. It, we call it university yeah. because again, it's the alternative to the educational system that we're offering. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's a good place to work there for digital nomads? Well, it depends, because when you work there at the office, of course, you're not really a digital nomad. But other than that, yes, I would say, because Mindvalley yeah. is super flexible when it comes to um, to working remotely as well. Actually, the CEO recently also relocated. So right now, the company is, to an extent, remote again. Um, so yes, I would say it's a good place to work for digital nomads. Yeah, yeah. He, The CEO what? What did you say? 
He relocated, so he's now actually oh. based in Europe. <clears throat> based in Europe, the office oh. is still in Malaysia, but um, but also because of COVID, etc. Okay. Things are shifting there as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah, it's um, it's a cool um, it's a cool company. There are a lot of uh, yeah. they do a lot of good things. They do a lot of good things. Yeah. And you actually do your own thing now about uh, mindfulness, right? So um, true. Yeah. So what do you do exactly? So I'm a, I'm a certified meditation and mindfulness trainer. I was trained yeah. in Thailand. Uh, yeah, early like beginning of this year, trained in Thailand by by Buddhist monks actually. So I follow this three-week intensive training. Um, it was like a almost like a Vipassana retreat in the sense of like no internet connection, fully offline, three weeks meditating four hours a day, then classes four hours a day, very intensive, waking up 5 a.m. in the morning, all of that. And uh, ever since I've been teaching my own meditation classes. And what I'm what I'm what my vision is actually what I'm building right now is an international wellness brand, an international meditation brand, basically, under which I'd like to franchise live meditation classes. Because Zumba, for example, or SoulCycle, Peloton, I don't know if you've heard of them all, they're actually international brands that franchise fitness workout classes, that also franchise yoga classes, all these kinds of things, and are super successful. But it hasn't been done for meditation just yet. And meditation is often either taught online these days, of course, or in local classes. Some cities have them, some cities don't. And what I'd like to see happen is for meditation to be present, to be available, accessible, and to be pragmatic, down to earth almost, um, everywhere in the world. Mm. This meditation, from my perspective, from my the market research I've done, et cetera, as well, meditation is still seen by many people either as spiritual and something you need to like train yourself in for years before feeling any benefits yeah. or seen as something for like entrepreneurs, high performers in life and people mm. who don't associate themselves with either. They're often not really attracted by it mm-hmm. or they would go and use some of the meditation apps, right? Calm, Headspace, etc. However, yeah. these apps are great as like they're great starters. But what I, what I would say is that they're also slightly um it's more difficult to go in depth with these apps because there's no yeah, personal support there's I no use real community yeah yeah then yeah you may be able to relate to what i'm saying at some point yeah. it's like you have your daily practice and that's really amazing and then what it's almost like what's the next step where's the next level right how to improve my practice how to go deeper in it and the community feel the community is super important especially nowadays and we noticed this at Mind Valley as well. Many people would come to, for example, this month-long event, not as much for the workshops that we taught, but for the people whom they would then see again after a year. And people were so looking forward to reconnecting because often in their own um, in their own hometown, they may feel like kind of a stranger, like kind of someone who's different than the rest. And this one time a year, they would actually reconnect with so many people who are it's the same way they are and feel like yeah. they're together with with yeah like-minded it's people it's often the case with many many yeah. camps many many workshops yes. uh yes I, no. I i used to do judo camps so it was the same thing uh, yes. yeah. so it's the same exactly. with fighters or chess players or whatever you yeah you go exactly. back to see the people who are like-minded and and how would you define uh, the how would you say is the difference between mindfulness and meditation some people mix both they, mm. they think it's the same or is it different or how would you define that i really like that question because it's true many people see it as the same i mean there is definitely overlap but it's not exactly the same thing because meditation okay. meditation in its original sense is really sitting down consciously taking a moment closing your eyes and either observing your breathing or going through guided meditation or using music doesn't even matter technique you use, but it's really mm-hmm. sitting down and taking a moment to consciously close your eyes and sit with yourself. Mindfulness, on the other hand, you can actually see it as meditating with your eyes open. Mindfulness is really going through the day mindfully, meaning consciously and aware. So meditation is kind of meditating with your eyes closed. Mindfulness, mm-hmm. meditating with your eyes open. And of course, they they strengthen each other, right? The more you meditate, 
the easier. Yeah, it's kind of almost like a practice to mindfulness, right? Yes, exactly, exactly. Mm. It's almost like the technique you can use to become more mindful in life. And if you're more mindful in life, from my perspective, and this is, I would say, the main benefit of it, life becomes easier, literally. There are so many challenges and problems you can see if you want to see them definitely and so did i in the past i'm, I'm not definitely not perfect and if anything i'm such an advocate of this right now because i myself needed it so much before and now that i've gotten more into meditation mindfulness things became lighter easier more positive more fun and just more worth it as well and uh, it's easier to let things slide, to make decisions about what you should or what I decide to care and not care about. Because I used to yeah. care too much. It was unhealthy. It was it was weighing me down, literally. Because I myself, I used to believe that I myself could change the world that I was trying. We're living in East Africa and conflict areas, trying to manage the projects, etc. Now I realize I cannot do it myself. No. So that's why I'm... Uh, why I switched industries basically and now I'm working on spreading um, meditation to the mainstream let's say by making it very pragmatic very down to earth to move it away from the spiritual um, perspective that many people have with it still and make it more um, yeah you useful for life basically so how concretely would you do that when uh, I, i'm doing devil's uh, advocate and, oh, and sure. some people are in their everyday job and they say yeah but sitting five minutes gonna it's not gonna solve the situation blah 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 you know that kind of uh, uh, mm. thinking how you what, what would you say to those people and how would you, do you approach a practice that can help them to be to, to, to be more mindful every day and 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 calmer and careless how would you mm -hmm. do this practically i think if you're saying if people have the mindset that five minutes a day of this type of practice will not solve anything i think it's hard for me to say or do something that will change their mind because in the end it will come down to their own decisions and mindsets however um i would tackle this challenge by making meditation and mindfulness as accessible as possible and as pragmatic as possible in the sense of really making the entry level and the entry barrier as low as possible. Meaning making it as concrete as I can, showing the exact benefits that come with it, showing the various ways in which you can practice this as well. Because if you say meditation, if you say mindfulness, people often have a very black and white, one-sided perspective of what that is but it can be many things. There's many yeah. ways to meditate. There's many ways to be more mindful and to practice mindfulness as well. And maybe some of them may not relate to, to someone and maybe yeah. some of the other ones do. So I think it's mostly about showing the full picture so people can decide for themselves what speaks to them and what doesn't. Because yeah. I don't think it's about convincing. I think it's about showing. Yeah. And then if people by themselves become interested, that's much more powerful than me trying to be like, no, 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 but it really can help you, please help <laughs> us. You know what I mean? So it's like moving towards each other, I would say. I'm showing and they're hopefully- they're experimenting, they're trying. <laughs> exactly, and once you start, then it's about uh, experiencing the benefits and then being intrinsically motivated to continue, yeah. And so on the entrepreneurial side and, and uh, just linking mm -hmm. to, to that, so you were saying you, you organized retreats, you were a certified teacher, so I guess you, you give uh, courses and guided meditation to groups and workshops and stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah, then you sure. decided to, 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 you wanted to scale your business, basically. Basically, yes. So because of the scaling part, I stepped away from retreats as a regular thing. So that's something yeah. that I do as a hobby almost, like on the side when I, yeah, of course, right now it's also not actually possible. So the few retreats we had planned, we had to uh, reschedule, unfortunately, of course. Yeah. Um, but right now I'm focused on classes and I'm focused on delivering those classes and offering those classes in existing venues like yoga schools and even like gyms, because people already often do go to the gym, for example, and to make this, to make meditation as accessible as possible for them, it's mm. much easier for them to quickly take this 10, 15 minute meditation class after their workout or even before their workout sometimes 
much easier and accessible than them having to sign up to a meditation school or even a yoga school if that's not their thing and then trying to like get them into the practice through signing yeah. up for something at a location they would normally never go to so it's really about bringing the practice to people yeah and and having them having in having them surrounded by it so if they're interested it's easy for them to enroll easy um, for them to get started so it's yeah, really I like about it. localizing I like it. It's great yeah yeah it's really about not bad it. not bad <laughs> In France, in France, they don't know how to say yeah, uh, compliments. French people, say they don't know how to say it. Wow, it's amazing. They, they have yeah, to say, yeah, pas mal, pas mal. Ça, ça. I know, I know. The yep. best compliment you'll get. No, it's a good idea. I think it's great. I think it's a great idea. And um, I, I was thinking that, that there is definitely something to do with fighters, uh, MMA fighters, um, judo fighters, because we have this image of... Uh, Uh, you know, because they do martial arts and they're very spiritual already, but it's not like that because high-level competitors, they have a lot of stress to deal with um, mm, yeah. and they don't know, they have no tools, no tools to deal with it. They, they have no, okay, maybe sometimes they have a, a mental coach and uh, stuff like that, but this is really oh. for the higher, higher, higher. But let's say you have the top three, um, mm -hmm this whole part where they're like semi-pro um uh -huh. i know a lot of them from judo from brazilian jiu-jitsu uh -huh. from mma and actually there was a guy in amsterdam he, he he was telling me that he had uh it was hard for him to handle his stress and i don't know how he put it up but i said oh have you tried meditation and you say no i never and And I gave him a course on meditation. I mean, I just uh -huh. taught him what I knew because I did it for yeah. a couple of years and read so so many stuff about it. Tell me a couple of techniques like you did. And um, and I think, okay, for him, it was not the best, he told me, but it was great that he learned it. He calmed him down, but it was there mm -hmm. is something to do, uh, some kind of special preparation linked to mindfulness And for some yeah. people, as you say, it depends on each people, for some to meditation, but definitely something to do because imagine you MMA fighters, you go in a cage with someone, you know, you need to be prepared mentally for that. The cage closed behind yeah. you, you need some kind of, uh, you need to prepare for Hyper -focus, that. Hyper-focus, yeah. yeah. But it's interesting you that you're bringing this up. So first of all, you just gave me a business idea, so thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm thinking, of course, I'm thinking of... Uh, Yeah. Because you said bringing it to to to, yeah. to to gym to people to like yeah. uh, let's say so if I'm a because they I mean it's not the same but when you say bringing it to people I'm thinking about sauna you know when you you <laughs> go to a, no because you go to a, a gym and there is a sauna there and it's like kind of a plus and <laughs> you pay and then you you think. Maybe, yeah, but I pay for this, but also have the sauna and Maybe access to musculation. Maybe I can huh? use a speaker in the sauna to guide a meditation, actually. Not yeah, why, yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? And, but I'm also thinking, I'm also thinking, you know, you register in a gym as a fighter mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they say, oh, you have access to this, you have access to that. And also and you have access to meditation courses mm -hmm. and it's a plus. I would pay more. <laughs> and definitely... Definitely, fighters would if there is some kind of special mental preparation, they would they would be like, that's that's what, because no, I my actually one of my best friends is um is a judo and sambo uh, teacher, and mm -hmm. and he does a lot for his uh, for his uh, competitors and he's great, but he has to do it on a personal indiv individual level and he's not mm -hmm. offering a real. Uh, mental meditation preparation so anyways mm -hmm. just thinking about that i don't have a solution just that's uh oh, interesting I, think, uh, yeah. i mean it's also interesting that you're bringing it up because i mean i'm not an mma fighter but i do my tie which is similar to kickboxing and yeah, i yeah, totally yeah. love it so i have like these two sides right like zen I like bah. <laughs> but yeah. um but it's true because mma in a sense is I mean, call it spiritual or whatever you want to call it, but in a sense, it's quite similar because it's about hyper-focus. It's about streamlining mm. the energy flows so it can be super fast, super strong, etc. And it's, it's in a sense, similar. The practice yeah. and how to get there is, in a sense, similar. That's It's, it's what's been said about it already as well. And... Um, oh, yeah, I was about... Think, yeah. 
Sorry, no, I was just about to jump on that quickly. I just, uh, I I was about to say when, when I, when I fight and just at training, Um, it's for me, it's the best meditation because I cannot think of anything Mm. else, especially if the guy in front is, uh, is tough. I have mm. to focus really as the the each move, and so you have to really super. It's the best meditation for me when I go out. I'm like, wow, that was a complete disconnect, especially yeah, especially in the the sparring, uh, the the the, yeah. the sparring fight, the, the part. Yeah. But when yeah. you're at home and you're thinking of the competition and you're thinking, oh, uh, this is gonna happen. My parents are gonna be in the room. Everything is mm. coming up, and and it's about dealing that part as well. I think. Very true. Yeah, thanks. I'll look into that, actually. Let's talk more about it as well offline. And um, you reminded me of one of, yeah, a good friend of mine from the US. And he's been loving these meditations. Well, I put some on YouTube and he's been using them. And he texted me the other day about how he how he uses the meditation to prepare himself for his intense workouts. Mm. So he's now getting, uh, getting his own like workout channel set up, etc. And I was like, oh, interesting. Tell me more. Like, why what's the benefit how is it how is it helping you he's like yeah it helps me to get in the zone it helps me to get in the hyper focus because my workouts are so intense it helps to stick through it's like that's mm. very interesting and so it's similar to what you're saying here basically getting you ready and it would be all different for zone. different people yeah. as well it would be different yeah, for different but yeah. th- what i've noticed is that for people who wants to be pro and who are starting to be pro i'm not talking about the best again i'm not talking about the number mm. the 10 first people of a uh, uh, national uh, level i'm talking about the guy right behind those guys usually they don't have any strategy they're just training hard and harder and training harder and it's not it's it's just the volume yeah. so they don't have a strategy they don't have a preparation and and some not all of them, but some people actually do, and they do this and they do that. So, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it would be. I'm curious what you're gonna develop around that. Yeah. I want to know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You'll get one. <laughs> so, what's next for you now? What are your next plans, and what what are you gonna do now? I'll be launching my new meditation program soon. So anyone interested, feel free to sign up. Me, me, me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, actually, yes, I'll send it to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah, and um, yeah, I'm looking to start the first franchise location, basically. So I'll run that first location myself so I can test all the elements and, and everything that's needed. So I can then start um, attracting trainers who are interested to be trained to start guiding same meditation classes under the brand that I'm establishing. So I'm literally full on focused on this um, day and night. <laughs> basically yeah that's cool so yeah yeah i do think when you're kick, i mean i think you know when you're starting your own company your own business it's it's like your life's work at least for the beginning everything revolves around <laughs> especially like, when you already have a business <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no it's yeah. Uh, of course of course mm-hmm. no but it's good because uh, a lot of people um kind of uh uh, their attention is kind of everywhere and they're not they're not laser focused and so no it's it's good yeah, yeah. so well can people already find you somewhere can are people already look into your business what you do already can you definitely, share a yeah. website something like that yes definitely website is up live you can sign up for any of the programs retreats events that we have it's uh, www.samavera.com how do you write that uh, S A, yeah, S A M A, V I R A, Samavera. I'll, I'll post okay. it below this video as well. Yeah. I, I haven't looked into it, by the way. I'm, I'm bad. I'm, uh, should. I should have. I should have. I should have. I will no, definitely. No, And um, yeah. Where do you want to share something else about um your work and where people can find you for maybe for your retreat or something like that? Is this some website? Uh, yeah, I think I, yeah, I put everything together on the website because okay. there's so many offers, etc. I want to keep it yeah. neat and clean, so Perfect. everything will be there. You can find contact information for me in case of more questions. And you so do things on <laughs> you do things online as well now with the uh, the COVID. Yes, yes, oh, yes, yes. All right, I teach my so weekly guys... classes online as well. Guys yeah. and girls, if you want to meditate, Aww. if you want to learn more, you can go there yes. and uh, book a class course. It's good to, good is good to know, good to know. Yes. All right, well, um, that's it. I do want to add something so else. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it was a complete full hour. Yeah. Cool.
cool. Talked about so many topics. <laughs> we will do another one. We'll do another one when your yeah, business is launched and you have stuff to tell us about uh, yeah. how it went. How do you do more? Maybe more on the entrepreneurial side. Exactly. Uh, one yeah, day. Awesome. It'd be cool. It'd yeah. be cool. Yeah. Love All right. Well, anyways, thank you so, thank you so much. Uh, yeah. Guys who are watching, I'm going to put some uh, some notes, uh, especially on YouTube, about the, um, this uh, podcast episode. Uh, put some comments below. Uh, thumbs up if you liked it. Share it with your friends. And yeah. <laughs> and um, Lauren, I see you soon. All right? Yes. See you soon. Thank Bye. you for your time. Bye. Thank you.